You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Good evening, everyone. Happy Monday. This is the Fours Hardcore Sports Talk Show. I'm Bernard Hall. I'm your co-host and my host, Ron Taylor. And we have a wonderful forum today. We are going to talk about baseball in the inner city, state, and as a whole. As a whole and we're going to mm-hmm. talk about systemic racism in the sport. We are going to open the floor, and we are going to talk about this, and it's just going to be good old shop talk. We're in studio number three. The phone number is 579-5260-248-579-5260 in studio number three. I'm going to turn it over to the host, Ron Taylor, and he's going to introduce our guest today. And again, happy Monday, and this is the Forge Hardcore Sports Talk Show. Let us have it, Ron. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Ron Taylor. We have, and once again, the PSL is well represented in here today. Uh, when I say PSA, well, PSL, uh, last week I got a call from my sister. She lives out of state in Florida and she didn't understand what PSL meant. So for our listening, uh, 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 of people out here, PSL just means public school league and which we all in here are, uh, very proud members, uh, members of. Uh, so when I say that we're, we're uh, well represented, we have, Coach um, uh, Norm Taylor, he went to Cass Tech. He's also the head ba- uh, baseball coach at Martin Luther King right now. Correct, Coach? That's correct. And we also have Mr. Bernard uh, uh, Mohammed. Uh, Bernard, uh, I, I, me and Bernard go way, way back, but we'll talk about that uh, later on in the show. Bernard uh, uh, was a former coach of Henry Ford High School, and he's also uh, – uh, uh, a high school umpire right now, and I think he do, he does college baseball as well. Correct, coach? Oh my way. Yes. Okay. So, and he's been he's been doing that for better twenty years, twenty years now. Thirty. Thirty years now. 30 so, years. all right. So we're gonna uh, we're gonna get started. Uh, if you have any questions, I know a friend of you guys wanted to call in, so I'm I'm gonna leave it silent and let you guys when once he calls in, he's gonna surprise you guys. But I've been talking to him all day, so. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to open the questioning up and we're just going to start off. Oh, first of all, I'm sorry. We're going to start off with what's trending right now. So first of all, we want to say, uh, congratulations to the Toronto Raptors. <laughs> I mean, job well done. <coughs> Absolutely. So, Absolutely. We give them some go. so, uh, we, we got to say congratulations to them and then we're going to get to what's trending and what's trending right now, guys. It ain't even close. It's Anthony Davis, Davis going oh, yeah. to the Lakers. Right. Absolutely. So, what do you guys think about that one? Well, I, I think LeBron is back on his way. He's <laughs> well, they got it immediately changed in Vegas. I saw the thing, and they changed from a long shot to seven to two odds and winning the championship. And I'm gonna say this: it's, it seemed a little fishy that they went for the trade that way, but. Hey, it's business. It's nothing personal. And, you know, everybody knew the Lakers was trying to get him, and he was leaning toward there. After you get so much money and so many millions and you get accolades like Defensive Player of the Year or MVP or All-Star MVP, 
you want to get that taste of going to the playoffs and you want to get that taste on the, on getting the ring. So he wanted to go where his best opportunity to get a ring was. So, you know, that's understandable. But there's some more, some more soup cooking. The Lakers go pull something else off and get a couple more players. I and think then so. It's, I and think then it's so really, really going to be dangerous. I think so, too. You, you, you see uh, – the point guard for uh, Houston, he's crying about he's ready to get out now. So, you know, he always said he wanted to go play. He wanted to play with LeBron. So, uh, you know, I, go ahead. Go I've ahead, always go. been a Laker, you know, fan. Uh-huh. Before Magic, during Magic, mm-hmm. you know, Showtime. And, you know, the, the purple and gold, it sticks out right. on its own, you know. Right. Roof to the cubes. <laughs> you did. But I'm going to take this old slogan, you know, make the Lakers great again. Okay. <laughs> make, make the Lakers wow. great again. <laughs> wow. And I believe it at that. All right, wow. Coach. What's, what's your take on What's your take on the Coach? Oh, yeah. I, I, I go way back to Elgin Baylor days with the Lakers when I was at the boys' club watching real-to-real film about the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a staunch Laker fan. I'm I'm strictly biased on this issue. Yeah, we're making moves again to be, you know, back on top. That's all. And I do say we because – I was a Laker fan during the bad boy era, and I, you know, I took it like a champ, and I dished it out like a champ. You did. So, uh, <laughs> so yeah, Lakers, we we on the rise again, you know. Man, I had a friend, man, that came through elementary school, and he also, he also played baseball. His name was Daryl Howard. And, man, he was such a Laker fan, bro, that he was we was in elementary school and junior high and high school, and he was getting Laker mail. That's how much of a fan wow. he was wow. for the Lakers. And you say something now, he's still a Laker guy. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you got to respect people that, that got that Lakers. But back, you know, back a few years ago, and now he's hurt CP3. He's getting on the end of his career. But the commissioner messed up the whole league. He set the league back five or ten years when he blocked the trade for CP3 to come to the Lakers. It would have been a whole lot of things different. Mm-hmm. So, you know, point. you people think of it and talk about it as business or he was a stand-in. Ain't nobody never heard. Ain't no other Ain't no other commissioner, general manager, nobody ever st- was a stand-in. <laughs> I'm the stand-in GM for this team because they haven't hired yeah, anybody. Ain't I ain't Come never on, man. Roll me one of them you smoke. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's a good one. That's no good. But anyway, you know, we we go see. There's some people that got some say so about it, and there's some free agents out there. Absolutely. And Thursday night, it's gonna be a young, a lot of young fellas rich. You know, that's trending. We got the the NBA draft this yeah. Thursday night. Check it out. It's, yeah, it's gonna it's be some young point. people happy, and it's gonna be some guys that only played one or two years coming out and getting that money. Right. They're gonna be instant millionaires. Right. All right, guys, we're gonna get right into our forum right now. We're here to talk about. High school baseball, these two guys right here uh, should provide us excellent information about uh, uh, what's going on with high school baseball. And I'm just going to go right out there, guys, and pop up, pop the question out. Why the lack of interest in this wonderful game that we have from our young black men? Speak on the coach. I don't think it's a lack of interest. I think you can find a lot of kids uh, out playing baseball. It's just once they get to a certain point, um, a level in the game, once they get to uh, the high school level, it falls off tremendously because it's not enough vested interest in the sport itself by those of us who know better. Uh, the presentation of baseball is inferior at best from inferior facilities, mm-hmm. uh, playing, playing uh, the, the playing fields, 
are most of the time uh, unsafe as opposed to unkept. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it deters people away from congregating. Baseball is a family sport. Mm-hmm. It's a father-son sport. Absolutely. And the absence of the fathers in the homes hurt baseball big time. The first person to teach you how to throw most of the time during my era was your uncle, your brother, or your daddy. That's, That's right. Um, That's right. That's so, right. Uh, um, preach, then, preach and, sir. Preach. And then you got the you got the uh, the socioeconomical element of the drugs uh, creating a way of life and and actually permeating a culture that mm-hmm. that took over our parks um and made people fearful of allowing their children to be out in the community or yeah. uh we or played fans yeah, yeah right. we played street against street we played strike them out till it got too oh, dark man. and you couldn't mm-hmm. see right. Uh, that's right but then as i evolved in the game i was a probation officer at the juvenile court when i got out of school and um I started realizing the absence of people actually even out playing catch um, uh, or utilizing the, the, the buildings to play strike them out uh, because uh, of fear, fear of, of, of letting their children out in the community like that. Yeah. You know, um, and then the adults, you know, they 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 stop making a way or modeling the way. Um, I'm a child of the 60s and 70s, and I'm going to tell you, um, I'm sure Muhammad can, Bernard can, can speak to this. Um, Northwestern and Jane Field, uh, was baseball from the time the sun rose oh, until it set. Absolutely. And then the lights man. came on at Bustle and Mans and, and Northwestern. I you set up on, on that, freeway. That's right. I you set up <laughs> on that hill next to the old Northwestern high school that's now, uh, a church now. Mm. Uh, I set up there on that hill and watched baseball. As if I was at Tiger Stadium, um, watching them guys play Tyus Neely, um, you know, yes. all, all of them, man. Willie so, Horton. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's, it's just that the interest is there. Um, it's just that when it gets to, uh, like I said, the high school level, it falls off big time. Um, and it's because of lack of facilities. The only high school facility in the city of Detroit that actually has a batting cage accessible to their kids in the gym is Western International High School. Um, and sadly to say, my alma, alma mater, Cass Tech, actually has poles in the floor in the auxiliary gym for batting cage and has never put it up, um, which speaks to their interest in the sport or promoting kids in the sport. So, you know, I, I, I said to Bernard prior to the show starting, you know, to, you know, when you know better, you expect it to do better. Absolutely. And, right. and uh, we have educated people leading our children, and um, we're not paying attention to we, we're supposed to be creating opportunity using sports as a tool to create opportunity for the children and give them a chance to make choices. Right. And so when we look at the statistics, um, there's far more opportunity in the sport of baseball than the sport of football. And I kind of got a little chip on my shoulder because I've experienced – Football in May. Uh, I've experienced in the early part of June two and three hundred kids on the field of these organizations um, practicing football <clears throat> in June. Um, so we kind of ran our kids away from 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 baseball. And, and, and before we really get off the subject, I when uh when I reached out to Bernard and he reached back to me, you would have thought I hit the lottery because mm-hmm. I was so happy. That he, right. he actually 
entertained the topic and actually gave me an opportunity to speak on it. So I did a little research. And um, to my point, according to the National Collegiate Athletic Association, in baseball, there were 35,460 participants. Approximately 7,880 of those participants were eligible for the draft. Out of the eligible group, 1,214 were picked. Out of those that were picked, 775 was drafted, which pushed the percentage of college baseball players to the major league at 9.8%. In football, it was 73,557 participants. Approximately 16,346 were eligible for the draft. Out of those 16,000, 256 was picked. And out of the 256, 255 were drafted that pushed their percentage at 1.6. So you got rookie ball at the professional level. You got low A. High A. You got low double A, high double A. You got triple A. Then if you still chasing that dream, you have the independent league. So there's far more opportunity for kids to grow in a sport and the sport to be used to push them to college in baseball than it is football and basketball. I have the stats on basketball as well. So I, I and um it's only uh, when I look at basketball, it's only 1.2% of the participants actually mm-hmm. make it to the major league. So I just think we need to pay attention. Our kids always let us know what they want. Yeah. And the reason why um, extreme sports is the fastest growing youth sport in this country is because there's no competition among playing time. There's no competition among how, you know, you competing against somebody, uh, but you are on your own team. And it's that participation sports syndrome where everybody's a winner, um, which I still haven't adopted that because, you know, competition means somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose. But I just think that we need to do a better job at at, at creating opportunity for our kids. Um, And and, and we've actually allowed the NFL, who's done a miraculous job in urban areas in this country at promoting the sport of football, as opposed to the MLB, who's almost absent in half of the country where there's major league cities at promoting baseball. So, I mean, there's a lot of blame to be going around. But when you talk about the inner city and why our kids aren't playing baseball, the movie Field of Dreams is my fa- one of my favorite movies. <laughs> we <And> should, <laughs> because I sincerely believe if you build it, they will come. They're going to yeah. come play. You dig? Okay. Well, we have a call. Hold on, everybody. We have a call. Caller, what's your name and your question? Hello, hello, caller. Can we have your name and your question, please? Okay, we'll get back to him. Uh, okay, go speak ahead, Coach. On, speak on it, Bernard. You know, Norm brought up a lot of good points. I agree. The interest is there. But what happens is, what happened a lot of times in the in the black community is that is fear. Number one, baseball 
It is a kid's game. Mm-hmm. That was the old saying when we were growing up. It is a kid's game. It's a game where your father, your uncle, you know, you, you, when I was growing up, it was my partner's father who would take us to the parks and teach us to play, teach us how to throw, teach us how to catch. It starts at a at a very, very young age. And so by the time a, a student athlete reaches the age of 12 or 13, let alone, let alone 14 or 15, getting to high school, and you see this game moving at a fast pace, mm-hmm. you got this little ball as hard as mm-hmm. you can imagine, you know, and you see people hitting it, but yet the question is, can I really play that game? Mm-hmm. So it becomes disinteresting or discouraging in the fact that you may not be able to catch. You may not be able to throw like a Dave Winfield or a Dave Parker, mm-hmm. you know, back in the day. You know, and so you'll see you'll see uh uh a two star athlete who's playing baseball, who's playing football, who's playing basketball, or playing baseball, they'll they'll make it seem simple, wherein the fresh the incoming freshman uh coming into a school system like the PSL, the Detroit Public School League, mm-hmm. an incoming freshman to see this two sport student athlete uh who may be a little more physically fit. Man, can I play varsity baseball? The question is, in most cases, maybe not. Maybe they should be playing A on the freshman team. Maybe they should be playing on the JV team. But these programs are not there for us, let alone, Norm, middle school baseball or elementary baseball. Wherein, if I can clearly remember, Michelle Obama, you she she put these these programs into place. Why are they not being used? That's right. You right. know, right. It, even to that effect, I mean, that respect. I think one of the deterrents of baseball is also the type of kid that we have today. I don't think that a lot of kids are built to take on the sport of baseball. And I say that because the sport is built on how well you can embrace the failure and not the success. Well, excellent. And it's a great character builder. And a lot of kids today want immediate gratification. See, and I, and I use this analogy all the time. Absolutely. You know, if I play football, I don't have to be very good to be able to hit somebody every time the ball is snapped. Okay, I got you. If I play basketball, I don't have to be very good to run up there and jump over everybody back and get the rebound. Or, set a, or set a pick. Or set a pick. Or shoot the, shoot a jump shot. That's so, Coach, you saying that baseball is the toughest sport and kids are just shying away from the, the sport. Heart, well, the I think, heart, I think it's, mentally it's tough. It's, it takes a lot yes, it to does. be good at baseball, far more than it does at many, many other sports. The, the hardest thing to do There's in no, sports – Scientifically, is hit a baseball. Is to hit a round ball with a round bat, and it's said to hit it square. That's the hardest thing to do in sports. And you got somebody throwing the ball at 90, 95 plus, mm-hmm. or you got a a breaking ball that'll fall off the table at any given time. Right. And it's a sport built on skill. You got to do it repeatedly, repetitively. You have to. Right. It's muscle memory, big time in, in baseball. All right. You can't get away from it. Well, let me, and, and I we agree just, with that, Coach. Let me say this. I can remember back 
and watching old film or old movies and you see the guys down mm-hmm. south, they had a they was playing stickball. Right. So that's yeah. how that's how athletic ability that they were. And people don't understand the eye and hand and the, and the quick wrist coordination that you have to have to have play baseball, just like anything else. Okay, go ahead. Hello, how are you? This is the Forge Hardcore Sports Talk Show. Can we have your name and your question? Hey, how you doing? My name is uh, Jesse. Hey, what's going on, Jesse? Jesse. I know that voice. What's up, coach? <laughs> Jesse. What's up, coach? Hey, listen. Hey man, uh, Ron, Ron, I love what you, you and Bernard are doing, man. Keep it up. I've been on every show. This is the first time I got a chance to call live. My man, so just okay. keep doing what you guys are doing. I'm, on, I'm on top of y'all. So when y'all move up, I'm moving up with you. My, My man. man. Uh, also, Norm Taylor, man, respect to you, coach. Thank you, Because you continue to put out these young men. I coached against you many a times during the summers with me and Coach uh, Kelman Smith. Okay. And man. Nothing but mad respect for everything you continue to do. Even when your son came through the ranks, wow, playing yeah. shortstop, and then he went moved on, and you kept on putting these young men out, man. And uh, man, just you, you a blessing to these kids. They just don't know it. Yep, he kept but, man, you a blessing, that. and I know a lot of kids come back to you, man. And uh, I know you're proud of them. Oh yeah, so continue absolutely. to do what you're doing, coach. Thank you very much, Jesse. Well, I Jesse, got a question for I got a question for you, Jess, because you know we go way back. We we all know Jess, right? We <laughs> are everybody know Jess. <laughs> At the Jess, t- yeah, I I understand that a question was given to you, and I'm asking you this because you're my guy, and I know you go tell the truth. And somebody asked you about the programs coming back and bringing the kids and tell them the question that someone asked you, you know who they are. You ain't got to give their name and, and tell the, tell us the answer that you gave them about what's going on with the kids and why it can't happen. Give, give us that, man. Can you give us some of that? Oh, well, yes, I can. Uh, Coach Taylor, uh, Coach Norm Taylor just touched on it right. uh, when he was speaking on the football, yep. the 300 kids out That's there right. opening, That's why I asked. opening mini camps. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, he was like, you know, why why is baseball not coming back out there, man? Three hundred kids are out there in June. Come on, that's the heart of the summer league. Yeah, you know, for baseball. Right. I said, I know it's center fielders out there. I know it's shortstops out there. You did, but mm-hmm. they can't they can't get to the baseball field because football has started. And the coaches you know, is and- telling them, if you don't get to my practice, you ain't gonna start. That's right. Or you can't go yeah. backwards and forwards. When back in the day, when Ron and Bernard and Ron was in, t- in school and Mike Marshall and all those guys, I can remember the guys and I watched them because my brothers took me. They would have on their football or track and then they'll slip on their baseball. They'll lead a meet and slip on their baseball top and go back right. and then run back over there. Now look, uh, I acknowledge Coach Taylor. I cannot go any further. That's right. I'm out talking about my brother Bernard Muhammad. You did. I played for. Listen, he didn't coach for thirty. He said he didn't coach for thirty years. I was on the ground floor uh, when he started. Man, <laughs> tell me. Right. When my ninth, listen, my ninth grade year, I was playing for Coach Ford. That's right. And we had a summer practice, and Coach Ford was just fed up with all of it. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? I don't want none of them. And Brother Bernard Muhammad said, you know what, Coach? Give them to me. Mm. And we played for Coach them summers, man. 
it was some of the best learning and uh, development of young men that you will ever find. Absolutely. And the kids today aren't aren't ready for the, some of the things that Bernard Muhammad was at the forefront of doing. And he molded us. You know what I'm saying? You you when you were a kid and you you playing at different levels, you take something from each coach. That's right. You know what I'm saying? You just and it takes you further through life. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm proud right. to say that Coach Bernard Muhammad instilled some things in me, man, that I took on to the next level, played at Tennessee State, mm-hmm. and then I took some of that information from Coach Allen Robinson and I applied it as a man mm-hmm. in the real world. And that's why I am today. And and Coach Muhammad, man, thank you. Thanks hey. for the tire. Wow. Hey, Jess, hey, Jess, yeah, I was going to say that. Hey, Jess, <laughs> tell me, Jesse, you just, me, you and I was just talking uh, uh, about an hour ago. Tell, tell us, tell us what, what, what Coach has y'all doing. And you you said that oh, they couldn't do that now. No, man, Coach Coach came in as a, as a young whippersnapper coach, man. And, and if you was out there, the word he used to use was, you out there wildcat. As you, you know, half, 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 <laughs> and, and you, you're not doing what you're supposed to do. You got the tire, man, and you ran with a tire on your back. Man. And, man, you couldn't do that today because somebody mama would be up there. But, no, nah, they gonna we call and field, tell. Yeah. Line, yeah. We was Coach Bernard's kids, and that was it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? And I had the pleasure after that to come back and uh, coach with uh, uh, Coach Bernard. And uh, we did some big things at Henry Ford. That's and, right. And uh, some of them young men to this day, you know, you, you see them out on the streets and we talk. And they growing up to be young, you know, young men in the community, man. And we always, it's always good times and good talk, man. And that's, and that's all you can hope for when you are in a, uh, as a coach like Brother Bernard yeah. and Coach Taylor. That's all they can hope for, man, is to put the best into these kids. And hopefully they come back and you can just kind of see the, see the development that you kind of instilled in all of them, man. So hey, that's off to what y'all are doing, bro. Jess, you know, I'm so humble. You know, first and foremost, I give all praise, credit, and glory to Almighty God in truth. Because to be honest with you, even as a youngster, what was that, 84? 80, yeah. 84? 84. Maybe? 84, 85, yes, somewhere around there. You know, yes, sir. I was still playing college basketball. You know, I was still coming from the uh, from the parties, you know, and the after parties at yeah, night that's right. to some of those practices, yeah. you know. And um, but the thing was, was that I wanted to always give back, even as a young man. I may have been 21 at the time, 22, still playing uh, before I had to get back to college. Mm. What I wanted to do was give back the same way it was given to me. Mm-hmm. And what I saw in you all that maybe Coach Ford didn't particularly see at that time was some young young boys who just really needed that little extra love. And, and so that's what the tire was. <laughs> that was tough love. The tire, the tire was just a little extra love. You did. Where, where, you know, um, uh, it was some, some, some physical fitness weight issues at the time, you know, and in order to play the game of baseball, you know, I, I'm going to say this because a lot of people don't understand. You have to be physically fit mm-hmm. to perform the game of baseball. Yeah. That's just the bottom line. You know, uh, I know back in the day you would see 
guys like Mickey Lolage and some of the other, you know, guys with, with, with uh, beer guts. And I'm sure they drunk a lot of brew after the fact. But if you look back a little further, when they were young men, they were slim, trim, and fit. You know, you can't play the game of baseball not being fit. And so not only that, I mean, you, Johnny Christopher, Theodore Hassan, uh, I mean, Worlington wow. Anderson. That's I mean, man. this was this was the team. So oh, it really yeah, was it guy. was easy once the focus was brought to what it is that you all really wanted to accomplish. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about uh, Coach Finley. It was really all about you all. After that, I can step away and I can look back and say, man, you know, these guys were ready to do what they did anyway. And like you said, Coach Coach Taylor out in the lobby, you know, our responsibility is just to give, create an opportunity for them to go through. And that's, that's right. what I did. Mm-hmm. That's right. Hey, well, Jess, you know what? You, why don't you just hang out with us and, uh, we, for the rest of the show, if you can. And, uh, just, All right, absolutely. you know, just chime in on some of these questions because you're a knowledgeable guy about the game as well. So, uh, the next I'll, question. I'll, I'll do, I'll do that, Ron, but you got so much knowledge sitting in there with you. I know. Guys. I, I know. They done, they done forgot, they done forgot some baseball that I'm still trying to learn. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Okay. So, so my next question to these guys and, and, and is, is, is about, um, it, could it be uh, economics with the parents that's causing the lack of interest? Um, what, what you guys not lack of interest, more so lack of uh, participation. Um, the way the direction the game has went in mm-hmm. is, is the direct separation of the have and the have-nots. Right. If you right. understand what it Absolutely. takes to compete, we have plenty of kids, even at the high school level, that's considered good athletes, and they can play. But they can't compete because their baseball IQ is inferior to those who have been playing at that level since, like, like, like Coach Bernard said, since they were eight, nine, ten. They used to tournament play. You know, they're, 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 they used to the pressure of performing in spurts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, uh, so when you talk about getting 40 games under your belt, Mm-hmm. Uh, in the summer, because that's when we play baseball because of the weather up this way. Um, you're talking about having to play in five or six, seven tournaments. Tournaments running about $800 a tournament. So if you, and you guarantee four games. So if you're trying to get 32 games out of tournaments, you know, you're up to 46, uh, $5,000 just for tournament fees alone. Mm. You're carrying 15, 16 kids because you want to give kids opportunity and time to play. I don't know nobody that walked their way into college and I don't know nobody that got good at baseball by sitting on the bench. Right. So you got to play the game. Situations. So, yeah. Absolutely. Be in them. So, so you get to the house leagues that's, that's pretty much developed as babysitting services, um, where they don't put a lot of emphasis on skill and fundamental. Mm-hmm. It's just to get a kid something safe, somewhere safe to play. And, and uh, secure, you know, it's it's not. We don't go at it like I I, I I'm a I'm a West Side Cubber, right? Right. And um, you know, I've been supporting the West Side Cubs since I can breathe. Um, I grew up a block away from McKay Field, so everybody that played football that was good in football, 
uh, that came through the Cubs, uh, you know, I, I know if I didn't grow up with them, I know of them. Okay. And I used to watch the energy and the level and the structure that they put into C-team practice um, in terms of instruction. And then you turn around and you look at the instruction in the baseball and you go by the practices and all they're doing is just hitting the kids the balls mm. and telling them to throw it over the first. Yeah. So it's not a whole lot of good instruction and good coaching at the little league level because we're pushing having teams as opposed to pushing having programs. Okay. Absolutely. And, 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 to, and to give a little more on that, Coach, you're exactly right because you got coaches now that – they can only coach if they got a machine, a kid that's an Excel player. Absolutely. But if they gotta develop some kids, they 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 can't they can't answer the bell. A lot of them. And so it's a lot of that going on. And then back in the day, they fooled a lot of us. They would tell us, "Oh, well, now y'all can't afford to play that sport." Yep. You know, I'm I'm an avid golfer now. I'm about a ten handicap, and I play golf. But back then they used to tell us, "Oh, well, yeah, you don't want to play golf. You y'all can't y'all can't afford uh, the equipment." Now a baseball bat three or four hundred dollars, a glove three hundred dollars. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything right. costs tennis, a racket four or five hundred dollars. Whatever you doing, football, a mouthpiece fifty and seventy five dollars. And know. we ain't even talking about you getting to the shoes and the other stuff that you need. So. It's it's all a level playing field now, but you're exactly right, Coach. Some of the coaches are out there for whatever reason they may be, and I know a lot of guys that coach, but some of them, man, they don't they don't know what they're doing. If they ain't got a machine, they can't coach. You're a coach when you can develop some players, right. and just like what you yeah. see in the NBA and the NFL and in baseball today, you know that manager in baseball going to win 25 games because he go out-coach some guys. Or you know Phil Jackson go out-coach. He, he, you go get 50 wins because Phil Jackson go make the right moves right here and right there. And then in the NFL, you know, you know that the Kansas City Chiefs uh, – Back then, the 49ers, they was going to make some adjustments, and they believed that Joe Montana got the ball one more time. We're going to win. Right. So, you you know, it's a different persona in it all, and the validity of it is real, real important because what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. You know, it's funny. It's funny. 100 on that. It's funny. When we was when, – when I was coming up, it was like I, – I remember my dad bought my, me my first baseball glove from Federal's. That's right. And Nobody was, don't know about that. That's what's F and it was and, it, and back then and it was back then the one right there on Van Dyke and all the one on Grand Rip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was yeah. it was thirty five dollars. That's right. Back then. But speak on it, but no. That was a lot of money. Go ahead, B. Economics definitely has, has pushed the black community away. Couldn't afford it. I was I, I'm a left hander. I grew up oh, left hander yeah. all my life. Oh, you back? He had to use the right hand. He had to use <laughs> the right hand. I'm, I'm, I'm in my right mind. Yeah, but, body. but you know, to play the game, for me to play the game, I had to learn how to turn that right hander's glove. Who you know, I we all used. Mm-hmm. If you didn't have a glove, but I had to use that right hander's glove, turn it around and make it work. Right. So absolutely. Economics have definitely changed the game. At one time, baseball was the American game. Absolutely. It's no longer. Simply because of that, you would go to the Sandlot field, you would go to playgrounds, and you would see some of everybody's son or daughter, football, basketball player, 
in the even time, mm-hmm. you played baseball. When the sun yeah. went down. When the sun it. went down, That's right. you might be on the basketball court. But everybody played the game of baseball. That's so, right. So I, I agree 100%. You know, it has definitely changed, you know, the format. And uh, Coach Coach made it, you know, a good point in regards to how many games that a player needs, you know, to really comp- compete. Well, you know, the, the number of games that I played, to help me compete was called strikeout. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. You yeah. and your boy you or your boy. boys, you had a box on the wall. That's right. And that's you right. got out with that rubber ball or right. that hard ball that that's you right. taped that's, up that's right. three or four times to get it done. That's right. And, and so if you if you look at the economics, and unfortunately I have to say, crack coach cocaine changed the world. Yeah. Especially mm. in our community. It changed the world. Because you're not as quick to allow your son to stay out uh, That's right. uh, to sunset. Well, you, you know, can, you got to worry about that now. Absolutely. You can't do that no more. You, you can't do it anymore. Right. And, and so, and so you, you look at all of that that's involved and you say, man, where are we at now in baseball? I mean, it's just a number of things. The bat, you, you mentioned the bat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When I was coaching over at Henry Ford, and this is the honest to goodness truth. I was uh, I was so nervous because I love to compete. I think it's good for for your mind to be able to compete. Mm-hmm. We were getting ready to open the season, and I had no bats. Wow, no bats. And I and this is the honest <laughs> to goodness truth. Jesse Jesse will tell you, Norm. I was I was over there at Henry Ford. I had no bats, and I just took it upon myself to go over to Allen Park and purchase two bats. Hmm. The I two know, bats combined cost three hundred dollars. Well, when the athletic director got off the vacation, he pulled me into the office and told me to take the bats back. What? And I told him, "You brought me over here to change this program. I will not take these bats back. I got guys that really need to understand what it takes to compete. We had two bats." Out of those two bats, one of the players, Norm Coach, he became a All-State Honorable Mention player, Lance Jackson. Yep. Yeah. The other player was Jimmy Walker, yep. who the next year became an All-State Honorable Mention player. That's right. You know, so you have to give them what they need, not only on the high school level or the college level, but wow. you have to give them what they need on the Sandlot field. That's yeah. an interesting story because I, I I believe you – I coached at Henry Ford from 95 to 2000. 2000, that's right. And we won the city championship in 2000. That's right. And I, and I had Lance still. and Jimmy yeah. was a, a freshman. And I've said this um, many times. Um, I've just completed my 25th year. And uh, out of those 25 years, uh, I've spent the coach's check when I got married and I spent the coach's check when my daughter was born. Hmm. Every year other than that, I put the money back into the program. That's not good. Wow. And, and my wife kept a ledger one year. We were talking about how much time, you know, I was spending um, with baseball. My son had graduated after playing four years of college baseball. And they were saying, okay, Dad, it's time. You know, it's time. You know, we want you at the crib. We want you to be able to go on family vacations and just that and the other. And I'm not ready. I wasn't ready. But she kept a ledger. 
for one year. And uh, it balanced out that I made a dollar and 27 cents an hour. Wow. Of the amount of time that I put into it. So wow. I, I, I'll say that um, one of the biggest challenges as a coach in the Detroit Public School League, and I would say this is true for urban areas across the country because I've talked to plenty of coaches, is you're not only coaching the sport of baseball, but you're teaching by modeling the way what it means to address adversity and overcome adversity. I kept all that away from my kids of what we didn't have. We only had nine league games scheduled. Nobody's coming to see a kid that take that took 27 at-bats. So we had to play at least 25 games. That means I had to schedule non-league games, and I had to pay the umpires for all of the non-league games. So I had to fundraise that, and that came to about $1,200 a year because I play uh, double headers on Saturdays at the school so that the parents and the families can come see their kids play. So, so, I mean, uh, and college coaches, uh, believe it or not. Because uh, they don't have a budget for baseball, so they got to get in where they can fit in. Mm. Yeah, and and coach, I'm glad you said that, man. And this, this is so monumental and so lopsided because I have friends that coach at Country Day, really? private entity. They got money, you know. You they can have anything they want when you got Peter Carmanos and Roger Pinsky on your board. But you got families that got money that's sending their kids there, and they can say, we want to build this auditorium. Or Coach was talking about no bats. I seen them get a whole truckload of bats and stuff like this. But I want to go into this right here, and this is the Hardcore Sports Talk Show. I'm Bernard Hall, your co-host. Our line is open. It's, we're studio number three. Two four eight five seven nine five two six zero, and this is for my man Jesse because we go so far back. I'm talking my man in elementary school. He a, he a bald fox eagle. You understand? You did. So it's like this, Jess. Tell him about Coach yes, Coach Bernard. Just talked about how back in the day you would be outside all day and you would play all sports and everybody couldn't wait until the evening till we played baseball. My team, I was on my side of town. My team, we was the coil crushers and Jesse them was the Prevost players. And the guys on Murray Hill was the Murray Hill Maulers, Murray Hill Maulers. And then my man them was the, the Wickham, the Wickham Wickets and stuff. And dude, we just had neighbor and we would have some games, bro. I'm talking about people that could go get it. That's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. You understand, guys that could pitch. I'm talking about we have some athletes between those neighborhoods right there from all the way down from Southfield. I ain't even going to lie, from Evergreen or Telegraph all the way back, back, coming up back to James Cousin. Oh, bro, we used to have some games, didn't we, Jess? And, uh, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and it's, it's so crazy because we don't even know where we got all the bats and stuff from to do it in the balls. We just came up with stuff, man, and and just done it. In those those days, it make everybody. It's unfortunate how separative things get. How coach was talking about, and I can remember yeah. how being excited at 
getting your physical and Willie Horton walk in. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everybody over on Six Mile or over at Northwest Activity Center, they go Willie Horton. You know what I mean? <laughs> I can remember my dad taking me with him ahead, to man. Willie Horton Bar. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you understand? Because my dad, I, like Coach said, he grew up right there by McCabe Field. I come up until I was five on Dexter and Calvert, player. Don't there cheat you me. There you you understand what I'm saying? There I went go. to Kitner. My brother went to Winterhalter, wow. and you better not wear no new clothes to school because you had to fight your way to there school and mm-hmm. fight your way home, That's right. bro. My two older brothers, we were so happy to move from over there, bro. When we was moving, <laughs> let this this real deep, bro. Jess, when we was moving from over there on Dexter and Calvert, bro, we had the moving yeah. truck backed up. And we couldn't move stuff from one side of the truck because they was throwing bricks and people was mad because we was moving. They was throwing rocks at us, bro. That's how deep it was because we was getting out of that neighborhood. And God bless their soul, my mother and father. My father done construction for 36 years. And he said, son, ain't nobody never gave me nothing. That's right. So you better figure it out, player. He said, you can tell Joe Hoskins and Coach Ford and Coach whoever, if that grass ain't cut and that den ain't vacuumed and and that meat ain't prepped when your mama get home and the garbage ain't took out. Oh no, sir! That's no good. Right. You know what, Bernie? Yeah, right. You mentioned you mentioned the uh, the streets. You know that that played against each other. If you look at the mindsets, and then you then you say I, you didn't know how we got it. We were resourceful. Yeah, we were. We live in a, a resourceful community even today. Right. Mm-hmm. If we the adults would just get out the way and allow these resourceful youth, the resourceful youth to come together, we'll Sweet. see a lot of this come back. Yeah. And, and so we, we we talked about it. We planned it. We strategized it. Right. I remember one morning we had a neighborhood team too. And uh we had Park and Rec. For those who you remember, remember that's the right. That's big. That's the not guy that had the red around. shirt on up at the park. park that's right. With the bag full of Play balls, leader, baby. That's you know, right. et cetera, et cetera. Playing full square. You know, bottom yeah. line, <laughs> and, you, and you had a team. Yeah. And so we played at 8 a.m. in the morning. Well, I was the manager. You were the manager. You were the owner. You know, you mentioned Coyle. We were owners. We were general managers. We were resourceful. It's still there, but we have to use, whether it's basketball, baseball, football, math, or science, to allow these young people to do the same things we did. We got to find the passion. It's not going to always be what we think it's going to be. I think the passion lies in us modeling the way in terms of showing them how you function and how you act when you're a part of something that's greater than you. That's okay? right. I mean, I have several friends that, that, that have done very well for themselves in the business sector. Right. You know, and they look and they support what I do. And then I have a lot of people who uh, uh, support me in prayer and in spirit. But when it comes time to get money to do things, that's right. It's mm-hmm. a different story. Oh yeah. You know, so, um, but I've had some people that really didn't help me out tremendously. Like I, uh, I have a team Detroit youth travel baseball club, which is a, a 501 C three nonprofit. I've had it since 1998 and it's grown to the point now where I'm, I'm a board member with this organization out of Birmingham, Alabama called the Piper Davis international inner city baseball uh, uh, organization. And we play a tournament every year in Birmingham um, 
and invite HBCU coaches there. So that's a fifteen thousand dollar trip. Mm-hmm. And by the grace of God, you know, and the and, and the spirit he put in me to persevere and the people that he put around me to support me, I've been able to get that money and take them kids down there. We're leaving July eighth. Very and I, good. And now I'm taking a fourteen and under along with the nineteen good. youth to expose some younger oh, yeah, people. That's good. But I actually I often challenge people, Ryan and Bernard, you know, I, I, I you know, I challenge them to you know, if you if you if 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 you can't throw a baseball, if you can't throw a football, shoot a basketball, you can give your time or you can give your money. That's just as inspirational to a kid that knows that the reason why we're doing this is because Mr. Brown or Mr. Mack donated some money for us to do it. We got to teach them how by by modeling that that way and give so that they will get into a position so they'll give back. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, I, I often wondered out of all the great athletes that we've had in this city within the last 10, 15 years. No one. How no. many of them actually give it back? Right, exactly. Coach, I'm glad you know, I've been waiting on that. Coach, I've been waiting on that. But I want to say this first before I say I hold that thought. I have young ladies that are texting in, and these young ladies are very influential young ladies, and they are sorority girls, and they love to do community service, and they are asking, can they, can I give you their number? Because they would love to go out of town and help and be the water girl or do the books or whatever and help you out any way that they can. And I think that's very, uh, that's beautiful. The, the leader of them that's doing, saying that and doing that is, is the Zetas. Okay. And uh young lady, I, her dad coached me babe, way back in the day in Little League football. Her name is Tyree Hall. So I'm going to connect you with her, and we're going we gonna to get that done. But, Coach, why you said that right there, and I'm going to be honest, and, and this is not to put any gratification on me. I was All-American. Everybody know that here and played football, went away and played football, Went through some times, made it back to college, played a little bit of pro ball, lived a little bit of a good life. And I belong. I'm on several boards for underprivileged kids to help out. Just played in the Horatio Williams Foundation, who I, uh, golf tournament today, who I helped, you know, make, just helped him start it from his own money. This guy is so giving, but yes, you you said that coach so much, man. That we got so many guys, man, and I got with so many guys from our area that they don't even live in Detroit no more. They won't live here because they scared everybody go ask them for something. And when you come up through times like everybody did, and you get it on, you fighting against both sides. And they saying you either gonna be on this side or you gonna be on that side. And I'm saying this as a test proven person who has lived a little bit of the good life and who who has been there and who has, who is who has been hated on or talked about or looked down on and laughed at and all of that stuff. See, coach, if you don't get to the finish line and you don't get across it and through it, you gonna be laughed at. So you got some of these guys that when they make it, they were treated so horrible. Along the way. Along the way that they don't want to do nothing for nobody. Right. 
or they won't marry no girl from Detroit or they don't want to live in Detroit because everybody begging them to death. Mm -hmm. They family. Mm -hmm. One of my boys, I ain't going to mention his name. My man, Portfolio, is phenomenal. Done everything right. He helps out in his own right. He said, nah, they ain't giving no more money because when I gave it to him, they stole, I got to put a computer lab. They stole all the money. I ain't giving no more. I can't be mad at that. No, I can't either. And then he said, every time somebody in my family called, we had to get a high power uh, uh, call ID because they think I'm a bondsman. They, everybody want me to get them out of jail. There's so many different crazy scenarios, man. But we got people that right here that's so financially gifted and financially blessed, and they have set back. And just lived a wonderful life just quietly and giving what to whatever they caused or whatever they felt like it at. We have the largest branch of the NAACP in the country. And you can't even go over there and walk in and say, I need some help. You got to ring the doorbell. I think it's incumbent upon That's somebody no that actually has taken that journey to hold people accountable. Oh, yeah. CB, you can give back. I mean, I don't think you should just freely open up yourself like a candy job no because there's more. not at all not at all but i think by taking that journey especially the one you've taken and understanding what it's like to be a collegiate and professional athlete you can hold somebody accountable to proving to you that they are worthy of your contribution if they on top of what they supposed to oh, do absolutely. you'll recognize that right off Ab the rip. absolutely so if you got somebody that have proven themselves I mean, I, I, you know, and I ain't tooting my own horn because there's a couple other brothers uh, out here uh, that's been out here grinding, trying to make a way with our kids with baseball. Um, you know, I, it's, it's unconscionable if I had the financial means to support uh, a baseball, basketball, and football program that people are investing their life and investing their own money into and I had the means to do that, I would support that. Just, to, if anything, to encourage other young people that's benefiting from my support, that if you're so fortunate to make it to the finish line, find you somebody to support. You know, as far as what you said, that, that is so true. Let me, let me share with you one of my greatest memories in regards to a, a figure, a sports figure, a professional. Um, 1980. Let's take it back to 1980. Major League Baseball strike. Just so happens, uh, uh, one of the greatest, well, probably the greatest pinch hitter of the game in the game of baseball. Gates Brown. The Gator, Gates, Gates Brown. Brown. His son was on my team. Wow. So when the major leagues went on strike, guess who showed up to practice? The Gator himself. Mm. And not only did he show up to one practice, he became our hidden instructor. Mm. He brought baseballs, major league baseballs. It was it was just you know it was like heaven to pick up a major league rolling baseball. Field mm -hmm. of dreams, you know. Yeah, but the yeah. point is, giving back. Right. All he did was instructed. He instructed. He gave baseballs. He gave his time. Fast forward. A referee, high school basketball, baseball, football, etc. I'm over at Renaissance High School in the gym after a varsity game, just sitting there. Guess who was in the gym? Gates Brown. I walked over there. 
And I said, do you remember Do you remember me? Here, I'm an adult in my 30s, maybe even 40s. He said, I absolutely remember you. You played baseball with my son back in the 80s when I came out there to help you all learn the game of baseball. So it's important just to show up. It's important for us to have these figures, maybe a – Miguel Cabrera. I don't know if he goes into the community. I don't know. Yeah. Or or mm-hmm. or back in our time, Lou Whitaker, you know, or a Cecil Fielder, Cecil Fielder one or Cecil Fielder two. Yes, yeah, Cecil you know, tried I gotta, to give back. You bring it back. He did. I got. I got. Well, see, I oh, have yeah, a. I have an important question, and I I really wanted to get this one in. And I know we you spoke on it, coach, just a little bit, but I want to know, in your opinion, both of you guys, you coaches, and you two probably just. Is there is there racism in high school baseball? I mean, because I can remember back in the day when you go out to these, you 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 wasn't beating them two to one or three to two. That that just wasn't happening. So you had to put up some runs in order to beat these teams in the suburbs. If you was coming from the city, can I you couldn't that? beat them two to one. That was re- that was out of the question. Can, go go ahead. Can, can, can I answer that? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. I'll say this. We have to be real. (laughs) It's a dual country. We live in a dual society, Mm -hmm. black and white. Mm -hmm. That has yet to be properly addressed. Mm -hmm. But overall, is it racism in high school baseball? And I believe Coach Taylor is going to agree with me. I don't think so. I've umpired in just about every community Mm -hmm. in the southeast region of Michigan. Mm-hmm. I've umpired some of the greatest talent over the past 30 years playing this game. Mm-hmm. I've seen them go from high school to the majors, mm-hmm. to the minors, to college. High school baseball is, yes, sir. I was going to say, Coach, but what I'm saying is, okay, let's go back to the team from Chicago. Remember the team? Then all of a sudden they got all the way to the, to the top, and then all of a sudden, something came up about their coach, and they got suspended. Mm-hmm. Remember they, that team? Remember said, that team? Yeah. Said uh, they it, had some bad birth certificates. Yeah, or something like you, that. you, that's what I'm saying, that's and that's no the good, point that man. I'm trying to. When 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 I say there's no racism, you got bad sports and everything. One thing about my pregame, I don't care what what sport it is. Mm-hmm. The thing I talk about at the pregame is good sportsmanship. Okay. It should be maintained and modeled at all times. Okay, guys. Um, it's, I mean, it's really been good, really been good. And what, what I like to do is I like to close the show with a couple of questions, personal questions. So uh, when I answer these questions, Coach, you answer first, and then, Coach, you come in. They're going to be the same questions. Okay. Right now, Coach uh, Bernard, uh, your favorite food right at this moment? Bean pie. Maybe <laughs> bean pie. <laughs> if you don't know about it, you better you better learn about it. Okay, if Bernie know about it. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. I'm gonna leave it. Okay, Coach Taylor, on you. Your favorite food right at this moment. My favorite food right now, I would have to say, is uh, fish. Okay, me. Too. I like that too. I yeah. had some catfish last night. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, next question. Your guilty, your food, guilty food pleasure. The food that you say, you know what, I shouldn't be eating this, but you eat it anyway. 
Remember the Cookie Monster. <laughs> That's me sometimes. What about you, Coach? Mine is French fries. French fries. Okay. Uh, next, next uh, question. You already answered this one. Favorite sports movie, uh, Coach Bernard? That's a good question. Okay, we'll that's go to Coach. I, Coach already said, feel the dreams. Well, that's, yeah, one, that's one of my favorites. Okay, what's the? I, I would have to say hardball is my favorite wow. baseball. Wow, okay. okay. That's a good one. Yeah. That's I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pass on that. That's a okay, good question. Pass. Okay, now, this is a new one I, I just put in, so I'm going to ask Burn, uh, uh, Coach, you did too, cuz. Yeah. This is the new one I just put in. Favorite music artist. Start with you, Coach Taylor. My favorite mu- music artist is Freddie Hubbard. Okay, okay. Jazz, okay. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Coach? Uh, Coach Bernard? Favorite music artist, Marvin Gaye. Okay. What about you, Bernard? Yeah, I like, I like, I like Marvin too, but probably my favorite, I watched, uh, Nat King Cole. Okay. My favorite art, uh, music artist right now is, uh, I like that contemporary jazz, uh, 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 Taylor, Gary Taylor. Oh yeah, Gary Cole. Okay, uh, your pet peeve—the one thing that you hate to see, Coach. Uh, crimes against children. Ah, wow, absolutely. What about you, Coach? Black on black crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all, all right, right, Coach. Guys. All right, everybody. It has been a wonderful show, Jesse. Thank you for joining us, my brother. It has been. No Absolutely doubt. wonderful having you on the air. And uh we appreciate you coming on and calling us, calling in. And oh yeah, for sure, man. Yeah. And this has been the Hardcore Sports Talk Show, and we will be back next week. Now, Take it easy. In two weeks. In two weeks. All Thank right. you very Thanks, much. Thanks, everybody. Have a good night. Have a good night.